Happy New Year, everyone. Are you excited about this year? It's always good to be excited about what's to come because the Lord's walking you into it. Amen? I've got a great word for you this morning. I believe it's a prophetic word to start the year off. Before I do that, I'd like to reemphasize the new members class. Sometimes individuals will ask, well, what's, what's the benefit of becoming a member of a church? We don't live in a culture that really brings a lot of membership value to things. I mean, I won't have a showing of hands how many of you are members of a gym, but you never go, right? So we won't get, we're not going to do that because membership is not about just putting your name on a list. Membership are the individuals that say that God has called our families here. We're going to plant roots and we're going to help fulfill the call of God on this house. That's membership. Members are really the ones that create the culture and the quality of a church. Members are the committed ones that through thick and thin, they're going to stay and stabilize whatever God is doing. Membership is a calling. Somebody say amen to that. And so when you say, what's the benefit to you for becoming a member? The benefit to you is living in a house of church filled with committed members. That's the benefit to you. That means there's volunteers there to help you with your children as we raise your children and help you raise your children, right? There's volunteers there to help you service the ministries throughout the campus. There's quality, stable ministry so that you have as a family what your family needs year after year after year. You don't have a church that's filled with people that drop off every other week. So when you say what's in it for you, what's in it for you is building a quality church that'll last a very, very long time. And so I would encourage you, and I would also encourage those of you that have been around a while. I had people in our last members session um, saying, you know what, I've been in Calvary for a very long time, but Calvary has gone through multiple seasons and iterations. And they're like, I would like to join this members class to get on board of the current vision and the current direction of the church. I love that spirit. And so if you want to kind of re-go through the members courses, uh, because now I teach them specifically, I really have a passion for them, and you want to get into those four classes, I would really invite you to go ahead and come through them, even if you're already a member, but you just want to hear the new language that's being used to bring in the new members. And then anyone else that says, you know what, we're, it's time. We've been watching. We know we're called here. It's time to commit to what's going on in this place. We're excited to build something together. Then join that new members class. It's three weeks of classes, four weeks of classes and a banquet. So it's a commitment, but that's a good thing because we don't want membership to just be cheap, right? We want it to cost you something of energy and faith and time because it's an investment in who we are becoming as a church. Somebody get excited about membership. Yeah, that's our future. That's our future. That's where we're going. So we're excited about that. All right, grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks. I really do believe I have a word from the Lord for you. I love preaching the first sermon of a year because, like Maria was saying, it's as if God is setting the tone. He's setting the direction arrow for the whole year. And the message that is preached is the first fruit. It's the first seed of God's word going into our hearts. And so I want you to receive that today. What we speak today will continue to produce fruit throughout the next 12 months and beyond. For those that are watching at home, even if you couldn't be here, I'm so excited that you took the time to watch from home because we need to be on the same page. We need to know what God is saying over us so we can come together and we're going to see the will of God manifested in 2023 for Calvary. So the word of the Lord today is this. Take it. Take it in your notes. This is the word of the Lord today. Take the land. I want you to hear that. Take the land. Say it after me. Take the land. It's time to take the land. It's time to take ground. Amen. You can almost feel the faith rising as I speak it over you today. You know, there are certain seasons where it's, you know, heal up or seasons of personal you know, holiness or development and all these things. But then there's seasons where God says, it's not about you right now. It's about, it's about growing the kingdom. It's about taking the territory. It's about taking what I've declared and promised and stepping into the land. We were in a Christmas gathering with the elders and the pastors. We had our house and it was like a, everyone brings some food to pass and we were having one of those funny gift exchanges. And Pastor Brian, our Connections pastor, we were just talking about this last year where we're going and he just out of his spirit, he just said, I feel like it's time to take ground. And when he said it, it was like something in my spirit said, that's the word. 
that's it. And I haven't been able to get it out of my head since he just casually said it. Because, you know, there's times that God will say something and you think it's a casual thing, but that you can't get rid of it, right? It sticks in your spirit. It kind of continues to grow. I know that what he was saying in passing is actually God declaring that over us. It's time to take ground. It's time to advance. It's time to increase. Say increase. Amen. I want to talk about that today. Open your Bibles first to the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're going to start with Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16, I want you to look at verse 16. One day as we were going, this is Paul talking, one day as we were going down to the, no it wasn't, uh, this was Luke writing, but it's about Paul. Anyways, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. See, Pastor Kevin, why are you starting with that in particular passage today? It's interesting to me that Paul waited and discerned what to do in this moment. You see, he was ministering and they were sharing the gospel. And this in particular individual was saying something on the outside which seemed like a positive thing. On the outside, it seemed like this girl was complimenting them, this girl was... Um, empowering them, was giving them some sort of uh, validity to who they were and their message, but she was becoming a distraction. And even though what she was saying externally seemed spiritual, it was becoming an irritant. And it was keeping people either distracted and focused on her, whatever it was, and Paul just took some time to discern what to do. But then, once he had the will of God in his spirit, he wasted no time and he turned and he pushed back on that demon and he said, come out of that girl. And she was delivered immediately. Do you understand that story? Why did Paul wait? First, I think he waited to discern. Because we don't always know the time and the season, though we're meant to discern it. And sometimes it's good to kind of wait and to kind of discern what's the Spirit saying, what's the Spirit doing, is this of God, is this of the enemy, is this of man, we don't know. And so Paul took some time to discern. But I also believe there just came a point where Paul, after discerning, he just got fed up, say fed up. He just got fed up and he was done with it. And I'm saying that to many of us today. There are some circumstances and some things that have been happening in our lives that there comes a point where we have to discern, hey, is this just life or is it spiritual warfare? Is this just, you know, people's attitudes and people being people? Or is this the devil trying to distract you, trying to steal from the call of God on your life or the impact that you're supposed to be making? At some point, you're going to discern whether or not this is going to pass on its own or you're going to discern that this is something you need to deal with. And it's not going to go away on its own. And it could even look religious. It can even look spiritual. It could even sound like it's a Christian thing, but it's taking the power out of the call. It's distracting you from the impact. Are you understanding me, church? And the solution wasn't just wait for God to do something or wait for it to go away. There comes a point where you make a decision and say it's time to push back. It's time to push back. It's time to use the authority. It's time to speak the word of God. It's time to release the power of God. It's time to step into your anointing. It's time to step into your calling and you begin to produce what God has called you to produce and stop this silliness from what's been going on and stealing from the impact and taking of the land. And so that's why today is so important because I believe some of us have allowed the season of healing up, the season of rest, the season of self-preservation that kind of was brought on by COVID and some different distractions where we kind of got into the zone of survival, 
the, 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 the zone of just trying to get by or make ends meet. It's time for the body of Christ to discern the time, discern the season, and then to be able to decide, you know what? This heaviness, this resistance, this kind of lack of vision, this lack of passion, I need to wake up and realize this is a demonic attack. It's time to push that thing back, cast it out, and go begin having the impact that God has called you to have. It's not just going to go away. The news media is not just going to wake up one day and say it's time to be, you know, super fruitful with your life and have impact. You have to discern the call of God, the time and seasons of God. And I'm telling you that the word of the Lord for this year is take the land, which means anything that is distracting you or hindering you from exponential growth. I'll use that phrase, write it in your notes, exponential growth. I'm not talking about little growth. I'm not talking about little trickle growth. I'm talking about exponential growth. Multiplied multiplication growth, not just adding, but multiplication growth. Amen. But it's about discerning the time, discerning the season, and getting fed up with just staying average or just existing and saying it's time to take the land. It's time to become and to do what God has called us to do. Where does the idea of taking the land come from? It's an Old Testament kind of language that we've adopted through a story. It's the, it's the story of the history of Israel coming up out of Egypt when they were slaves in Egypt. God made a promise to Abraham and to his children to give them the land of Canaan, to give them a promised land. Thousands of years ago, God promised Abraham's children an inheritance, but there was a journey to receive that inheritance. See, because just because God promises us something, sometimes we forget that there's a journey in stepping into it and receiving it. And there's even responsibility on our part to receive our inheritance. Sometimes we're waiting for a prophetic word or we're waiting for someone just to pray over us. And God's going to do this and this and this. But we forget that you always have some act of faith, some responsibility on your part to step into that promised land. And promised lands come with battles, they come with giants, but you are well able to overcome all of those things. And when God makes the promise, he also knows you need the power to do whatever you need to do to possess the land. He's already considered the resistance, but he's not limited by the resistance. It's not like he promises you something and doesn't see the giants. He promises you something and doesn't see the fortified cities. He saw all that, but he doesn't worry about that because he knows it's you times him. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than enough to take care of all that. So he's not giving you a promise based on the opposition. It's based on his will. Come on now, church. Come on. Their own disobedience, though, kept them from it for an additional 40 years. But then the time had come. And I say this word very, very specifically, this sentence. The shame had been lifted and it was time to take the promised land. There was a shame that was upon them for 40 years in the wilderness. That shame had been lifted. I'll show you the scripture in a little bit. And now it was time to take the land. When Pastor Brian said this just a few weeks ago, something went off in my spirit and it said that that's it. It's time to take the land. Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes even says, there is a time for peace, but there's a time for war. There's a time to do battle and to take what God has called you to take. Open up your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Let's go on into this story, into the book of Joshua. Are you receiving this so far? Say, take the land. It is time to take the land, my friend. And there's obedience and there's faith and there's courage required in taking the land. It doesn't just happen. Just because it's the time and season to take the land doesn't mean you're automatically going to take the land. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. At the after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. Sometimes people are so stuck in the past, they don't realize it's a new moment, it's a new season. And the past is gone. It's dead. It's gone. It's time to move forward into the new season. The Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Listen to this verse. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. That's the new living. Some of your translations say everywhere you place your foot, I will give you. 
But I love the New Living's translation because it says, realize that everywhere you set your foot is land I already gave you. It's not even that he will give it to you. It's when he promised it, he gave it. The only question right now is will you step into it? He can't make you step into the land. He can only tell you it's time. He can only tell you he'll go with you. He can only promise you to go with you and not to leave you or forsake you and to empower you and to give you plans and strategies. But if you stay on the other side of the Jordan, if you don't step into the land, you'll never possess what was given to you. It's already given to you. The land is already given to you. Stepping on it is just stepping onto something that already belongs to you. Are you hearing me? Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land that I've given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one, say no one, will be able to stand against you as long as you live. No demon in hell, no cultural shift will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Why? Because God gave you the land which means you have to have sufficiency to take it. For I will be with you. That's God. See, it, the reason God was certain that no one could stand against them was because God knew he was on their side. He was in their corner, right? He was with them. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you and I will not abandon you. Be strong and courageous. Write that in your notes. Be strong and courageous. Say, be strong. Say courageous. courageous, courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong, be very courageous. God says this repeatedly to Joshua. Be careful to obey all the instructions I gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the word, study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Here it is again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord is with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Take the land. It's time to push back on the enemy. It's time to push back on darkness. It's time for the light to start lighting up this city and to not just try to survive or get through recession, get through COVID, get through some other opposition that finds us sucking our attention, taking our faith, taking our energy. It's time to possess the land. Are you hearing me? It's time for you to possess the land. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I've given you. Verse 3. I just want to hear that again and again. If God has called you into business and into a corporate arena, then when you step into that office, that's land God already gave you. If you're a teacher in our public school systems or our private school systems and you step into the classroom, you're on land that God has called you to, that God has appointed you to and promised to prosper you there. Doesn't matter even the oppositions, the lack of funding, the cultural shifts that are going the opposite direction of God's word. God has planted you there. You are more than capable to be salt and light in a city on a hill. Are you hearing me? That is land that God has given you. You say, no, this belongs to the government or it belongs to this. No, it belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord. Amen. The question is not whether you will win the land, but rather will you step into the land. The question is not whether you will win the land. The question is will you step into the land. That's always the question. God's made the promise. God's already offered himself to back it up. But will you, by faith, begin to see it as something that belongs to the kingdom? Something that you are called to. Something where it's time for you to produce much fruit in this assignment, in this place. You've already won if you will be courageous enough to step into it and walk it out. You've already won. Sometimes it doesn't feel like you've won. Sometimes it feels like you're not winning. But we're not moved by what we see. And we're not moved by what we feel. By us just showing up and releasing our giftings, we are changing the world. We are pushing back darkness. Amen. 
we're not standing there just mourning ourselves, or thinking about ourselves, or licking our own wounds or self-pitying our life to death, but we're standing there saying, God, I look up, I look out. How can I be a blessing? How can I be good to people? How can I reveal your light? Let your good work shine before men so they will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. How can I love people today? How can I declare or testify? We talked about that. How can I be a testimony of the goodness of God in this place? Amen. Notice that our part is to be strong and courageous. Why? Why does it keep saying be strong and courageous? Because in any possessing of the land, in any new season, in any new battle, there's this fear of the unknown. That's why God kept telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. Because there's some things we don't know. There's the unknown of our ability. We have a fear of a lack of personal ability. And God's saying, be strong and courageous. And then he continues to assure him, because I am with you. It's not your ability. It's not your ability. It's my ability with you. Fear of how? Be strong and courageous. Why does he say that? Because we have a fear of personal ability or we have a fear of how's it going to happen? Because our human eyes can't see how God's going to do it. Our human eyes can't see the turnaround, can't see the victory. And so we're afraid because we don't see how to possess the land. We don't see how those strongholds, those big fortified cities are going to fall. We don't know how those giants are going to fall. And so the fear is there, but God just looks at us and says, be strong and courageous. He doesn't say, figure out a plan. He doesn't say, get all the ducks in a row. He doesn't say, you go fix it and you go figure it out. He says, be strong and courageous and start stepping. Be strong and courageous and step into the call. Step into the place that I've called you to. Step into the, to the yes of I'm ready to expand. I'm ready to possess the territory and take the land. I will show you what to do. God will always give you the strategy. So we have a fear of lack of ability. We have a fear of lack of strategy. We have a fear of other people. We have a fear of man. Judgment that comes from other people. What are they going to think? What are they going to think if I begin to walk with confidence? What are they going to begin to think if I begin to share my faith where I work, or I begin to take land and begin to prosper in that area. What's my family gonna think? What are other people gonna think? What are people, are they gonna judge me if I fail? What if I try and it doesn't, it doesn't happen the way that I thought it was gonna happen and there's a delay? That happens quite often, where you hear a word like this and next week you're like, I'm taking the land. And you go backwards for a couple of days. Have that ever happened to you before? Come on, let's be honest. You hear a sermon or a message or prophetic word about taking land and growing, and you feel like you're going backwards sometimes, just for a short season. And then people look at you and you wonder, they're gonna, they're gonna begin accusing you like you missed it, or like you were overzealous, or people are gonna judge you. I'm telling you, my friend, if you'll just keep stepping, if you will just keep obeying, if you will not shrink back, all of us experience moments where God prophesies or tells us to do something, and then you go through a season that tests that word that tests that word, test your resolve in that word, test your heart and what you really believe because out of the abundance in your heart will begin to tell you what you really believe about that word. Are you hearing me, church? And then you, you worry that people are gonna say, ha ha, look, it's not happening the way you said God said it was gonna happen. You gotta put your fingers in your ears and you just keep walking, you just keep stepping. And do not be afraid of the judgments of men and women who don't know God and didn't hear what you heard. Amen. You see, it was fear of all these things that kept their parents out of the promised land, that kept the last generation out of the promised land. The desert becomes more comfortable to some to stay in than to go through the pain of changing their ways and warring to receive the promise. You know, you can get comfortable in the wilderness. You can get comfortable, remember, in those seasons, and at some point you've got to discern, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be in this season. I'm not supposed to be wandering in the desert. I'm not supposed to just have enough. I'm not supposed to just be surviving, because that's all the desert was, was just surviving. It's time to go build some cities. It's time to go take some land. It's time to go plant some vineyards and not just get enough to feed myself every day, but to have storehouses full and feed future generations. Are you hearing me? 
Joshua chapter 5. Let's just keep going a little bit in this. Joshua chapter 5. Remember what I said? They, there was a season where there was a shame upon them for that 40-year period. Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. Then the Lord said, today I have rolled away the shame of slavery in Egypt. This was 40 years later. They'd already been delivered, but they walked and wandered in the desert for 40 years. And God said, today I roll away the shame of your slavery, the place... So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover in the evening, the 14th day of the first month. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread, roasted grain harvested from the land. So they began to eat from the land now. They, they, had, they had now transitioned into the land out of the desert. They began to eat from the land. And from that point on, no manna appeared. On the day they first ate from the crops of the land, it was never seen again. So from that time on, Israel ate from crops of Canaan. See, there was this supernatural season of just enough provision, but then they crossed into their promised land to where now they ate off the land and ate off the things they sowed and vineyards that they would harvest from. They did the work to eat from things that they did themselves. It's a new season. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man, this would be the angel of the Lord, saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand, Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Um, I heard it said in some translations, it's are you with us or are you with our enemies? Neither, the angel said, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell on his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. Joshua did as he was told. Chapter 6, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. The King James says, see, S-E-E, see, I have given you Jericho, its king and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the city once for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, which is the ark of the covenant each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast with the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Let's talk about that just for a little bit. When possessing the land, there's a couple of key things that I want you to see in that last chapter. One, taking the land or taking Jericho, possessing the land, is about God's promise and God's will for what he is doing. Joshua immediately says, are you with us or are you with them? Are you friend or are you foe? And I love that God looked at him and said, I'm not on your side or their side, I'm on my side. <laughs> I'm on my side. Are you hearing me? And that's really important. Because when God speaks something to you and God declares land for you to take, God declares territory for you to place your foot and possess, it's not about you. It's not about he's just doing something nice for you. It's a part of his plan. We have to connect some of these dots that what God's asked you to do is not just about paying your bills, not just about making you successful, because then it's about us. But when we realize it's God wants success in that arena, that arena of education, that arena of business, that arena of entertainment and media, that arena of church and mountaintops of faith. And God says, go possess land in there. It's not just about you. Which means when the devil's attacking you, he's not attacking you, he's attacking the will of God. He's not opposing you, he's opposing God. Because what God has called you to do is his will being manifested in the earth. Which also then puts an urgency and a responsibility on what he's asked you to do because it's not just about your paycheck, it's not just about your happiness, it's about the will of God and the kingdom of God. Which means if you don't do it, you're disobeying the will of God. If it doesn't happen, something's delaying the will of God, fighting against the will of God, and God's gonna prevail, God's gonna win. But then you don't pray about it like it's the will of God. You think it's your will. You think it's for you rather than it's through you. 
It's not you, it's him. He's not on your side, you're on his. And he's with you because he wants this thing done. And he's trusting you with it. Are you hearing me, church? So when I say take the land, it's not about you just getting more success or thinking Pastor Kevin just has this happy message, just positive message. No, it's time, it's God's will that the kingdom of light begin to take territory this year. It's always been his will, but we get distracted by other things, get intimidated by people's opinions. We listen to the rhetoric on the news media about the church losing relevance or, or that we're a burden or a problem. We're not the problem in this world. You're the solutions to the problems in this world. The reason that rhetoric is there is so that you lose confidence in who you are and you become intimidated to go take land. They like to make you think you're not qualified in those arenas. You don't qualify to take that land. That should be done by people that aren't charismatic, spiritual, crazy people. That's not our definition. That's what they think we are. Truly, we are the most, in our minds, sane people, logical people. Come on now. Trustworthy people, character-driven people, quality people, anointed people. Oh, and by the way, we have access to the mind of God, not just our human understanding. People should be knocking on our door saying, we need some men and women of God in this place because they know how to fix things. They know how to get the job done. Amen. But there's a shift in our thinking about taking land and the promise that it's not about us and our happiness. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. He's not on our side. We're on his side, walking out his will. Walking out his will. That's what it's all about. And then I want you to see where God said in chapter 6, he says, C-S-E-E. Say C. I have given into your hand Jericho and the king thereof and its mighty men of valor. But if you're Joshua in that moment, all you see is this city with these giant thick walls that they race chariots around the top. You see the gates heavily closed. You see giants in the land. But God is telling him, stop seeing all the reasons it can't be done. Stop seeing the walls. Come on. Stop seeing the gates. He says, see something else. What should I see? We, we sing this song at Christmas time, do you see what I see? God isn't seeing the reasons why it can't be done. God isn't seeing the walls and the gates and the armies. He's seeing his will. He's seeing the end from the beginning. He's seeing the walls already fallen. And then he's speaking to you on this side of the timeline about what he saw on this side of the timeline because he's outside of time. He's not speaking by faith. He's speaking by what he sees. We speak it by faith because we're not on that side of the timeline, but he is. He can speak the end from the beginning because he's already at the end. And so when he tells it to you, he's not hoping, he's not a hoping and a praying. He's communicating to you what will happen if you will be courageous and obey. And you walk it out. Isn't that good, church? That's really good. Stop seeing the opposition. Okay, so I am not a gifted golfer. Actually, I'm not a golfer. But there's a gentleman in the church, Greg, who's been so kind to say, I want to help you learn how to golf. And the patience he has worked with me, because he's so good. And the golfers that golf with him are so good. But they allow me to hit something, the ball. <laughs> and I get my drive, and then they all go down the line, the middle. And then they pick up my ball, and we go hang out together where they are. But he's speaking things over me as I learn, because you got to grow. And he'll look at the sand traps and he'll say, what sand traps? Or he'll look at the water hazards and he'll say, what water hazards? Basically, what would change whether or not there's a sand trap or water hazard there, you still got to hit the ball that way. But you get in your head, oh, there's a sand trap there. Oh, there's a water hazard there. 
But what if we stop looking at the traps? What if we stop looking at the reasons or the attacks or the giants or the walls or the excuses or what could go wrong? And what if we just did what God called us to do and just hit the ball? Just hit it. Not considering the sand traps in the water, not considering the walls, not considering the king and the soldiers and the opposition and all that, all that could go wrong. Are you hearing me, church? Can we see past the current realities of a situation? Can we see past the opposition, past the challenges, and just keep our eyes on the will of God and the word of God over it? See, this is where strong and courageous comes in again. It wouldn't take courage if God spelled out all the steps logically and then proved it to us that it would happen the way we think it should happen. Did you hear what I just said? It wouldn't take courage for God to just, when, if God would just come down, spell it all out to us, show us everything that's going to happen, do it the way we want him to do it, convince us he's able. There's no faith in that. And let me say something else. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> he's not going to do that. If you're waiting for God to give you the plan and to prove the plan before you say yes to the will of God, you're missing how God works. And I would even challenge that that would actually solve your problem. Because there's a story of a guy named Gideon. I know I'm all over the Bible today, but I'll just preach the whole word to you on January 1. <laughs> there's a story of a guy named Gideon who basically had everything I just said. God told him he's a mighty man of valor. God said he's going to lead the army of Israel and set them free from the Midianites. And Gideon's like, prove it. I'll put out a fleece. If it's wet and the ground is dry, I'll know you're with me. So God does that. Then Gideon's like, well, let's do it again. I'll do the opposite. If the ground is wet and the fleece is dry, then I'll know you're with me. God does it. He's like, well, I'm do it again. So an angel and all this stuff happens. And God even gives him the plan. And here's the thing. Gideon didn't really like the plan. How about that? Gideon had 30,000 men, but God's plan was 300 men. So maybe the reason God doesn't tell you the plan is because you wouldn't like the plan anyway. <laughs> Would you really say yes to his plan if he said you're going to get rid of 29,700 people and you're going to go win a battle with 300 people with pots and torches? Come on. Leave me in ignorance. Don't tell me the plan, God. I prefer not to know the plan. Just tell me the end. Maybe God's wisdom is a little better than you think. Isn't that good? But that's why being strong and courageous is so important. Because you say yes, not knowing how it's all going to happen. How he's going to deal with these giants. How he's going to deal with these walls. How he's going to, but God said it. And the courageous part is just taking the steps towards it and doing the next thing God tells you to do. All right? The question in my spirit this week is, will you live life to play it safe or will you live it by faith? Will you live life to play it safe or will you live it by faith? We have this idea sometimes that staying the same is safe. It's not safe. That's a lie. Staying the same and doing the same thing, all the things you can conceive, all the things that you can control, that is not safe. That's a slow death. Will you live to play it safe or will you live by faith? Mark Batterson is an author and a pastor of a church in Washington, D.C. He's written a lot of books. He wrote one in particular that I really enjoyed called Chase the Lion. Has anyone ever read Chase the Lion? It's a great book. I would recommend it. But it's about being courageous. I think that word courageous needs to come back to the body of Christ. Courage needs to come back to the body of Christ. But this is what he says in his book, Chase the Lion. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. <laughs> I love that. I want to arrive safely at death. <laughs> it was funnier to me than it was to you, but I think it's funny. <laughs> Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. 
Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Do you know making mistakes isn't always a bad thing? We're not talking about sin. We're talking about how you learn. Sometimes falling off a bike is the only way to learn how to ride the thing. Amen. We put so much judgment on ourselves that everything you try has to succeed. Everything you try has to make a million dollars. Everything you try has to bring in thousands of people. The important thing is that we're trying and we don't quit. Everything you do doesn't work out either. Amen. We give some grace, we take some grace. That was good. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Stop playing it safe. Start taking some risks. Expand your horizons. Accumulate experiences. Enjoy the journey. Find every excuse to celebrate everything you can. Live like today is the first and last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep from worshiping what's right with God. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Criticize by creating. Not by criticizing, criticize by creating. Worry less about what people think and more about what God thinks. Don't try to be who you're not, be yourself. Laugh at yourself. Don't let fear dictate your decisions. Take a flying leap of faith and chase that lion. Amen. Amen. Doing things that scare us, write this in your notes, please. Doing things that scare us is one of the best ways to grow us. Doing things that scare us is one of the best ways to grow us. If you avoid everything that's scary, if you avoid everything that involves risk, then you're not going to grow. Amen? Think about that, church. Sometimes even in our culture today, we want to protect our kids from everything that could be, like, hard. They need to do things that are hard. Do things that they may potentially fail at sometimes, and that's how they grow. That's how we grow. Sometimes we go through a season, maybe in our youth, where we do more scary things, and then we get to a place of comfort. But I'm telling you, if you're not dead, you need to keep putting yourself into places that are bigger than you and things that cause you to stretch and grow. Don't play it safe to death. Take some more land. You might say, well, I already took my land, but you're not dead. Come on, your body may be older, but your spirit is eternal. Your spirit is youthful. Your spirit's like Jesus. You're anointed and you have experience and wisdom. You've learned some things. This is the best time for you to take land. You're a general in the kingdom. Don't be like David when it was time for the kings to go out for war and he was standing on his balcony looking at naked woman. That was, that was really harsh. But it's true. He should have been out in battle. You're the generals of the kingdom of God at this time in life. Go take some more land. Amen. Today is about making a decision to move forward. Say, make a decision. Making a decision to take land. Making a decision to move forward. Past playing it safe. Into doing things that challenge our faith and actually expand the kingdom of God and expand us in the process. Not just talking about it, not just coming to church to worship and sing some songs and to be happy and taken care of until we all go to heaven. I've heard it said before that the church is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. We're not here just playing games and singing songs. You were meant to push back. Remember what I said in the very beginning where Paul discerned this thing is not of God and he needed to push back on that thing. Some of you have been tolerating things in your arenas of influence and God has set you there to push back and to take territory and land there. Amen. It's time for the church to expand. Too much shrinking over the last few generations. You're expanding in other countries. So it's time for it to expand right here. We have the same gospel, the same Holy Ghost, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It's time for us to take land and to expand the kingdom here and now. Say decision. Genesis 1-1, write this in your Bible. Genesis 1-1, I asked this question to our staff a few weeks ago. What's the first thing God did in creation? 
Sometimes people will say the first thing he did was in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No, no, no. The first thing he did was he made a decision. The first thing God did in creation was to decide to create. And then he created what he decided. And that's how we work too. God made a decision to create, and then he created what he decided. Amen? God decided a thing, and then he created what he decided. God's plan follows the decision that you will make. God's plan will follow the decision. When they made the decision to cross the Jordan, once they crossed that Jordan, he gave them the plan to possess the land. Are you hearing me? The plan follows the decision. You don't get the plan of God before you make the decision to take the land. Again, we don't get into this position, God, tell me how it's going to happen. Tell me all the ways you're going to do it. Convince me completely, and then I'll decide whether or not I take the land. God does not work that way. You make the decision, we're going to take the land. Then God begins to unfold the plan. The plan follows the decision. They had already crossed into the Jordan land, and now God gave them the plan. We function the same way. Last year we decided, God spoke to this house, and through natural, I mean, obviously the fire department and everything, but God was also getting it done. We had to make a decision to change the fire safety system. Are you hearing me, church? We made a quality decision. We have to change fire safety systems. It's going to cost about $800,000. We made a decision. We didn't know how God was going to do it. But we made a decision. And once the decision was made, God began to unfold a plan. And you know what happened? In seven weeks, God raised $800,000. He wouldn't have raised any of it if we wouldn't have decided. Did you hear what I just said? None of that money would have come in if we wouldn't have made a decision, right? And began to do what God called us to do and how God called us to do it. God gave us step by step by step. And you know what? God will do it again. We make a decision, come together in unity and agreement, and then God gives us the plan. Amen. What is the decision regarding a specific promise or land that God has spoken to you to take that you might have been delaying on? I'll just speak a couple over you today, and we're going to close in a, in a song. Today, there may be some decisions. You may just need to decide today to take the land in bringing a friend or family to church with you this year. What if you made a decision that every week you would bring someone with you to church this year? Not just go to church yourself, but what if you decided, think about that. You say, well, I don't know how to make that happen. How do I get someone to come with me every week to church? Well, why don't you first make the decision that you'll bring someone with you to church? Are you hearing me? Say, God, I want to bring someone with me to church every week. And God will back that up. He'll begin to open doors and give you opportunities to do that. But if you don't make that decision and you just come to church alone, you've not made a decision to expand your territory, to expand the influence. But what if you did? What if you did? Or maybe once a month, say, God, once a month, I want to bring someone with me to church. What if you made a quality decision about that? What if you made a decision today to take land by deciding to speak up and out at work about your faith in every opportunity God gives you? Think about that. Sometimes we go to work so mindlessly, but what if you made a decision that you would speak up and out about your faith? So that means people are starting to say all kinds of nasty things, dark things, and you said, God, if you give me a door, I will speak life and light into every situation at work. I am not going to live in 2023 with my mouth shut, letting everyone else spew out darkness and death. When I contain light, I make a quality decision today that I'm going to start speaking up and start taking some land. You say, well, how am I going to do that? That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying, will you make the decision to do that? And God will give you the how. God will give you the words. What if you made a quality decision today? So start the business that God has in your heart. You've been delaying on. Do I venture out and start my own thing? Do I do this? What if you decided, say, God, you've been putting this business in me for far too long. It's time to say yes to that business that you put in my heart. Now God's going to say, all right, amen, let's get started. Let me give you the next step. Let me give you the next thing you need to do. What if you made a quality decision today 
to join that rehab program that you've been avoiding, to recover from the addictions that you've been hiding? What if you allow God to set you free by saying, yes, I'll go to that program. I'll commit myself. I'll come clean that these things have been happening under the surface, whatever the addiction might be too. I don't want it anymore. And I make a decision today to come clean with it and to go get the help I need. What if you made a quality decision today to write the books or the songs that God has told you to write? That, that means you start saying, okay, God, I'm ready to write. And then God will tell you the first step of what to do with that. Maybe he's going to say, okay, take one hour a week or one day a week and sit in front of that computer and give me an hour. And he just gives you words for an hour. I don't know what it means, but it's the decision to actually write the book or to actually write the songs. Stop saying one day, someday. I'm telling you, take the land. Take the land. Take the land by deciding to go back to school or finishing your degree. God's been nugget, tugging at your heart to do this. Go get signed up. Say yes. Say yes to God first, and then let him tell you the plan. But stop avoiding it because, oh, but it's so inconvenient at this stage in my life. It's so much work at this stage in my life. Take the risks again. Be courageous again. And let God grow you again. Amen? What if you decided to take some land by joining some teams around here and helping us do what God's called us to do? that you decided to not just sit in the chairs and just come and go, and as soon as the amen, you're like, out the back door. What if you decided to actually become a part of the body? Wow, what could we become if all those gifts and callings and talents sitting in this room and that attend Calvary as their church, what if we all came together and partnered together, committed one to one another, and joined arms to do something together? What if we decided a thing? to join those teams, get in those Calvary groups, be a part of membership, all that stuff. God will give you the plan when you make a quality decision. Go ahead and stand up. What I want you to do is this. I want to have a moment of prayer, and then we're going to dismiss, where the band sings over you about moving forward. And I want to invite those in the room that sense God stirring them in their hearts, saying it's time to say yes to the next season. It's time to say yes to taking land. In whatever area that might be, it could be in all the things I talked about. But you say, I sense it in my spirit. This is of God. I need to stop fighting that next season. I need to stop just staying the same. I'm going to say yes to taking the land. And even if you don't have the plan, even if you don't have all the answers, I'm saying just give God your yes. So here's what I like to do. I'm going to pray over you. And if that's you, and you sense God saying, I have a new season, I have new land for you to take, will you say yes to that? I want you just to come down and find a place of prayer here at the altar. You can stand, you can kneel. The band's going to sing, and we're going to declare moving forward over this house. Let me pray for you. God, right now, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this first word of the year. I thank you that you're declaring over us to take the land in education, in business, in our families, out of addiction, into callings and destinies, into ministries and anointings. God, we don't have all the story or the plan, but we say yes. We say yes, God. And Lord, I thank you that you give the direction. And so we surrender ourselves to you. We take a flying leap of courageous faith and say yes to taking the land that you've been talking to us about. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, why don't you come find a place? You guys lead us in that word.
pray that over you one more time, and then we're going to see if anyone wants or ready or ready to give their heart to Jesus. Heavenly Father, right now I take this word about moving forward, about moving ahead. Lord, we do thank you for things we learned in the past. We know that moving forward doesn't mean that we don't appreciate things of the past. But God, I thank you for taking ground. I speak that over this house, over these individuals. They are the church, not this building. These people are the church. And they take ground. They increase this year. They expand their territory. The influence of God through them expands. The harvest and fruitfulness of the things they set their hand to do are multiplied, multiplied, not just added, but multiplied in abundance of increase in the name of Jesus. God, we know that we have a part to play. We have to say yes. We have to let you speak to us about the things to do, and we do the next thing you tell us to do. But right now, we give you our yes. And we give you our yes tomorrow. And we give you our yes the next day. And by the end of this year, we'll look back and we will see the growth and the provision and the multiplication and the increase of the kingdom of God because it is about your will. It is about your plans and purposes. And we fight for those plans and purposes. And we give you thanks. And we give you ourselves. We give you our yes. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say a big amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Give me 30 seconds. Nobody moving back to your seats. Just hold, 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 hold for 30 seconds. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Let's start this new year as a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us needs a Savior. The wages and penalty of that sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all, say all, who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. No exceptions. There's no one too far gone. There's no one who God will say no to. All who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a few seconds? Today, if you say, Pastor Kevin, that's me, I've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save me, to be my Lord and Savior. I need to do that. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three, and if you wanna call on Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, when I count to three, just raise your hand wherever you are, and we're gonna pray with you right there. Or you may say, you know, I used to have a thriving faith in God, but I've grown cold or I've walked away, and I would like to recommit, restart that journey with Jesus then you can call on him today too. And when I count to three, raise your hand. So we're ready to pray now. Let's make a quality decision to follow Jesus. If you need God to save you for the first time or to restore you and bring you back, and you're ready to start again, then when I say three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? There's a hand, one hand, two hands. Anybody else? Put it up, put it up. I can see you. Three, thank you, I see you over there. Anybody else? Put it up. Four, wonderful. Anyone else today? All right, would you all pray with those four that raised their hands? Maybe those praying, watching at home. Repeat this after me, just with all your heart. Just mean it with your heart. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those four or more? Praise God. Welcome home.
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.